welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the incomparable network of podcasts. I am Trish E.M., and with me today are Michael Gabriel. Good to be here again. And David Schaub. Hello. Now, David hasn't been with us on this podcast before, uh, but we, we, we've been chatting about Supergirl on the Slack channel. And if listeners want to get in on that action, they can join the Slack channel themselves by becoming incomparable members. Yay! Okay, so it's been a while since we've had a podcast. When last we talked, that was episode 15 with the uh, alien ice raids and ended up with uh, seeing Terry Hatcher and Kevin Sorbo in a spaceship. And so then... um, we got to episode 16 when we found out what that was about, which was what we had been suspecting. But anyway, okay, so episode 16, would either of you like to do a recap of that? I'm not hearing volunteers, so I'll just (laughs) say. (laughs) Okay, so uh, it turns out that Terry Hatcher and Kevin Sorbo, whose show names I can't remember... They are uh, the parents of Monel, who, yes, it turns out he really is the prince of Daxum. Kara is li- is angry that he has been lying to her and everybody. Meanwhile, the the B plot is that it turns out that Lyra is an art thief who got wind to help her break into a museum and steal Starry Nights, and uh, then things happen. Uh, Lyra was sort of just doing it for her brother and anyway back to the a plot monel wants his parents to leave him on earth and the whole mom and dad situation is not really resolved yet but at the end uh the deo captures a new alien who turns out is the music meister and Kara wakes up at the end of the that episode 16 being a lounge singer in a nightclub. Yeah, I, I feel like those are the major plot points. Um, I know to me, <laughs> okay. uh, to me, so there's, there's two main through lines, which are the uh, kind of discovery of Monel's secret and dealing with his parents, and then the uh, the Lyra plot arc with, with Wynne. Um, and I feel like, in my mind, the latter was in service to the former to set up sort of at the end, people being angry at each other and... Uh, and Wynn being willing to forgive Lyra while Kara is at that point not willing to forgive Monel for for lying. Yeah, it's definitely a parallel plot line in that case, or even A and a B plot. But basically, they're covering the same material, which is for some reason both of these people have been lied to, and can both of them forgive the other? And uh, Kara does not. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's really interesting because, I mean, one of the big things that I think many people like about this show, and certainly what I do, is that, you know, strong female characters and they stand up for themselves. But Kara sometimes can get a a little indignant, I I feel like. I mean, yes, there is the fact that this is a major lie on uh, Monel's part, but also it's not like she would have really taken it well if uh, he had told her under other circumstances, I feel like. I thought that it was interesting that when he did finally come clean, he... he came all the way clean, uh, you know, it would have been very easy for him to shade the truth about his escape from from the Daxum catastrophe. Uh, but, you know, he told them, or he told Kara about abandoning his bedmate and letting the guard kill the uh, Kryptonian in order to get his ship. Um, and he could so easily have just left that out. But, uh, but so I think, you know, he... he he genuinely did want to tell Kara at some point. He just couldn't mm-hmm. <laughs> couldn't do it. So, you know, I think he got a few points for that, for coming all the way clean when he did fess up. The show did a great job at making the uncomfortable Make Dax some Great Again dinner conversation very <laughs> uncomfortable. Yes, it did. <laughs> I and loved that dinner. That was great. <laughs> it, was, it was a wonderfully uncomfortable dinner. But Kara, Kara, they treat Kara consistently. Like this is this is the the nice bit about this arc with Monel is we get to see Kara and that she isn't entirely perfect. Uh, the 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 criticisms against the Kryptonians are somewhat justified and somewhat reasonable. Kara shows some of them, and 
she even admits to that. Like, and, and that 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 I liked as well. That it it played well with Kara having some issues as well that she has to deal with. I, I completely agree. Um, that's one thing is I do feel like really a lot of the characters in in this show. I mean, especially the kind of leading ladies. You have Kara and uh, and you know her sister, and you have um, uh, Maggie as well. And they their flaws tend to be pretty consistent, uh, which I appreciate. Versus a uh, maybe some other shows where characters you just kind of leave you're scratching your head sometimes at like why they would do a certain thing because it doesn't feel like it makes sense for the character uh so i appreciate that that like you said uh in this kara is pretty consistent in her failures uh and that's good um i know that uh we talked about uh trish you started mentioning kind of monel getting points for his behavior and like how do we Kind of, what's our gut check now on how we feel about Monel and his relationship with Kara at the end of this episode? Um, I think Kara is certainly fair to be hurt and angry at being lied to for so long um, on such an important issue. I think that Monel, you know, is uh, events prove him right that he was right to be scared about telling her the truth because you know she said it's not just that you were lying but that you were uh, lying about being the prince so uh, certainly if he had told her at the beginning of meeting her things would have been very different for their <laughs> entire relationship and let us admit he was not raised to be honest and forthcoming like Kara was uh i don't you know i I don't think she should have reunited with him at the end of this episode. They had a lot to work through. I think she was perfectly right to break up with them, you know, say, we aren't dating anymore. I can't do this. But I didn't feel it was hopeless at that point, And I didn't feel it should necessarily be hopeless at that point. I really quite like the 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 new domestic Monel and the, the, <laughs> the their chemistry. I think actually works much better in this episode than I think it had in, in earlier ones. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I I did not used to be on board with the relationship, but I kind of am now. Uh, and that includes, you know, like you said, Trish, I think it was appropriate for them to break up at the uh, end of this episode. But at least his interactions, you know, he definitely did earn points with me. And, you know, David, as you said, the you know, his domestication, uh, you can see how much he's trying. <laughs> and I appreciate that a lot. Like he's he's trying really hard and he is coming clean on everything. And he has sort of identified the things in Kara that make him want to be better. Uh, and that's pretty great, actually, that the writers have managed to get me to feel so positive about him in that area. Right. Right. And we see in later episodes that uh, he genuinely has changed in his priorities. Um, he's He hasn't just been playing hero to get Kara. He, he really, you know, has changed his goals. The only real issue I, I think I had the, with the episode was the very weak let's deceive the audience section where there's this DEO meeting that sets up for Win kind of deceiving Lyra regarding what the plan was. And there's no real justification for that conversation or why the telepath doesn't just scan Lyra. That that, that one bit didn't seemed a bit unreasonable attempt to deceive the audience just for the plot twist at the end where it's all set up and the DEO's on its way. But otherwise, I quite like the episode. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I liked the fact that it kind of put you know, the whole relationship between Wynn and Lyra into question. But at the same time, nobody really thought he was an accomplice. Um, you know, when Maggie brings him into the uh, to the police station and so on, it's not like she thinks Wynn is a criminal. She's just like, you know, what's going on? Uh, as soon as they all, like, everybody has the powwow, you know, they, she's like, okay, yeah, you can have him for a day. That's really what I can do. But, you know, it's clear that he's been hoodwinked by by Lyra and you'll go figure this out. And yeah, getting everybody on board makes sense. I, I agree with you. It was a little bit weird that they kind of tried to de or did deceive the audience for a bit, but uh, at least that was short-lived enough that it didn't get under my skin. It's true. Yeah, I'm afraid I didn't really care about the B-plot enough <laughs> to be indignant at that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely one where the B-plot is far subservient to the A-plot, and it really is just there to drive home the same theme. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then at the end of the episode, it does set us up for the musical crossover, which the Flashcast, I think, has already covered. Haven't they? Have they covered the musical episode yet? 
Uh, yes, yes. yes the, uh, the flashcast covered the musical, so probably we should just, you know, summarize how that affected uh, our show. But I just wanted to make one thing um, back to the B plot. I did write down is when Supergirl's Xander, <laughs> as far as picking bad girlfriends goes. Oh, that that's a great point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still together a couple of episodes on, so so I guess not, not exactly. <laughs> Regarding the Flash crossover, I also would uh, just note that this show did a much better job of setting up the Flash crossover than uh, the Flash did. Yes. Uh, the relationship drama from this show at least made some amount of sense. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so I guess, are, are we good to just summarize kind of the effect that the Flash uh, crossover had real quick? I think so. So it's been a bit since I've, I didn't rewatch that episode while I did rewatch these, but from what I recall, essentially, you have a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch happens, but in the end, the whole point was to get them to realize that they care about each other and that they can forgive each other for things. So by the end, uh, from what I recall, the most significant e element is just that Kara has already forgiven uh, Monel by the time episode 17 starts. Uh, is there anything else significant that really happens for us? Absolutely not. Okay, I didn't. I didn't like the musical episode that much. I admit, but but realistically, but basically, the climax happens. Everyone's shot. Nothing makes sense. But Kara forgives Monel, and that's what matters to us. Okay, cool. I, I mean, I'm a sucker for musicals, even bad ones. So I liked it a lot, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I have to acknowledge quality that it did or didn't have. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> going into Distant Sun, um, I guess we can we can summarize that real quick uh, by just mentioning the. The basic storylines, uh, I mean, mostly it's a continuation, right? So you have the Daxamite ship storyline continues here. Um, and then you have uh, Maggie and, uh, shoot, I am somehow forgetting Kara's sister's name. Uh, <laughs> Alex, wow. <laughs> uh, I'm really bad with names, so apologies. But uh, Maggie and Alex run into Maggie's ex. Uh, and there's sort of this storyline with them dealing with some relationship issues that come from that. Is there a third storyline? Uh, in episode 17? Really that's, not. that's really it. Okay, cool. Yeah. There's, there's the, only, the only slight storyline is what's up with the president. Right. I suppose. But that but that's uh, pretty light. Mm -hmm. Cool. So so going to the Daxamite storyline then is what we really pick up here is that there are bounty hunters attacking Kara and uh, Monel is pretty sure it's his parents who are responsible. And, uh, and they insist that it's not them because they supposedly, uh, let him go peacefully at the end of the previous episode. Pretty obvious to us as well that it's definitely them. And then we find out, you know, before too long, there's a neat psychic bounty hunter involved who, and we get to see, uh, John kick his butt psychically, which is cool. Uh, and, uh, and then with the Maggie storyline, um, there's some weirdness where Alex is trying to kind of help Maggie be cool and help Maggie just, you know, chat with her ex-girlfriend. And then by the end, we find out that Maggie had been lying to, to Alex. And it turns out that Maggie had cheated on this ex and it hadn't been her ex's fault in the first place that they split up. So um, there's also, I guess, with the president, she orders John not to engage the Daxamites. And he breaks that order in order to save some of our people. Um, I think that's really the, the bulk of it. But, you know, what do you think about the episode? I have to say that the first first part is just the the, the first scenes with the the B plot just feels so wonderfully Vancouver now that it, <laughs> and, and and that we have people walking around in rain jackets and with people umbrellas and in their yoga gear it it, it was just it, it felt very true to my city. <laughs> Regarding the B plot, I am a bit tired of Alex giving Maggie life advice, telling Maggie to just get over her traumas and be happy, and that's that is not good. Advice advice. <laughs> it's coming from a place of less less life experience or less romantic experience than Maggie. And I, I acknowledge that Alex said, I'm not judging you. I'm just trying to help you. But at the same time, I'm, I just, uh, am. Alex comes from her coming out was oh, confusing, granted, but relatively trauma-free, and I don't think it's really great of her to be telling Maggie to just uh, you know, lighten up and get on with her life. Yeah, I, I found a lot of that, the B-plot, uncomfortable. 
in that like yes yeah, Alex sort of half of what Alex was doing seemed reasonable but yes. the situation just seemed not like I'm not going to judge you but I'm going to drudge up everything I can about your exes and stalk <laughs> them uh <laughs> yeah it, it's it, it very much seems like okay you know her heart's in the right place but she is not really what she's doing wouldn't really help uh, in this context. It's, it's more of a, it's like, you know, it's not really your place to be getting up into every little detail like this and kind of, you know, you can have the frank conversations when she's ready to have them, but I don't know. It does seem a bit forced in unhealthy ways. So yeah, uncomfortable. <laughs> the, the, the CW world has a lot of teenage relationships and this continues that. And it, it makes some sense in that this is Alex's first real relationship. It just, uh, it's hard to watch. <laughs> It's interesting that we all took it this way, though, because I don't feel like that's how we're supposed to feel about it, according like, or how the writers want us to feel about it um, from this episode. Like, it almost felt like they were trying to depict this as a really healthy conversation, but it didn't <laughs> feel that way to apparently any of us. No, <laughs> it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I was, I really thought that at first uh, Alex was going to be judgmental against Maggie for lying. How could you lie to me? Uh, and it's still kind of judgmental in that it's kind of like, how could you not have shared every detail of your past with me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I guess that's enough about the B plot. Let's get back to the A plot, which was, you know, I really enjoyed it. I, um, it yeah. hit a lot of the notes that I wanted it to hit, and I rather expected it to end the way that it did, but they did that in a way that completely satisfied me. Uh, I, uh, one of the things that I have down is, is just a, like a little side note, but the very beginning when uh, Kara goes to fight the first, you know, alien uh, who's shooting lasers out of his eye and, and so on, and we find out that he's a bounty hunter, he looks like a Power Rangers villain to me. Uh, and it's just like one of the, it's just really funny to me because he's like, he looks super fake versus, and I guess a lot of them do sometimes in the show, but for some reason, uh, both on my initial watch and in this one, it, he felt really rubber masky, which is not a criticism, just like a really funny note that I had that I felt the same way both times. But overall, though, I agree. I liked the general arc that it took. Uh, how about you, David? I, I, I think the, uh, the the first bad guy was given about as much ado as Kara gave him, and she dealt with him very easily. I, I wasn't bothered by the uh, somewhat rubber maskiness of it. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I quite like this path, and none of it was particularly surprising. Um, but I, but I think it all sort of moved the plot well. Um, I quite like the, the, the car basically repeating the, I don't hide. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like that she has basically no interest <laughs> in, in hiding from these bounty hunters whatsoever. Right. Yeah. She would much rather just take them all in and hit them really hard. Um, and, 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 and I appreciated that. Yeah. And she said, she's like, I'm the woman of steel. I don't bend, I don't break. And, uh, I like that she's claimed that, um, and that she takes that to heart. It is a little bit funny how how much effort the DEO has to put into convincing her that her laying low is the smart thing to do, not just a matter of like her safety, but just right. this is how we figured out what's going on. But uh, you know, she's getting a little bit impatient, and you know, maybe not having a job contributes to that right now. But you know, it, it's it's fun to kind of see her just wanting to get out there and do this thing and not running from anybody. And uh, Monel is still trying to protect her because right, that's going what he back does. to the unemployment, <laughs> I, uh, I I laughed at the beginning of sixteen. Well, it was more of a lol sob, but uh, when they referred to Kara's fun employment. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me wonder still, you know, how, you know, she seemed very unstressed through episodes 16 and 17 about her unemployment. And uh, it made me wonder, why doesn't she just get a salary from the DEO? Um, <laughs> how does she pay her rent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, re-employment. I enjoyed mom and dad, uh, Monel. Coming, slumming at the bar and uh, his his saying, you know, I am a mixologist, I am an artist, and it is very honorable. <laughs> um, I I just enjoy those little <laughs> mo moments from Monel. <laughs> Definitely, I I really like the general interactions with uh, with the parents because you know, I've, and I I think I've called this out before, but just 
I love having Terry Hatcher and other uh, people who are, you know, DC callbacks. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've had Dean Kane and Helen Slater uh, and Laura Vandervoort was on the show for a while. And even the, the president, I'm, uh, yes. I believe she's Linda Carter, who was the TV Wonder Woman in the 70s. So, like, I just love having them around, even if it's really weird for me to see Terry Hatcher as this evil person. Um, which also, uh, I so for whatever reason, you know, I was calling her... Uh, Monel's mom in my head, and then eventually that became mm-hmm. Mamel uh, <laughs> in my head. So, yes. uh, so yeah, uh, Mamel is frightening and definitely worth uh, worth watching. She's um, definitely enjoying chewing the scenery. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and her just she really does dominate the scenes she's in, and and her kind of total disregard for sort of respecting anyone is pretty outrageous in a compelling way. Uh, the fact that, you know, once she does get Monel onto the ship, she kind of disregards any of his wishes and even decides, you know what, I'm going to put him in uh, in a cell for, for what, like a year, two years, however long the, the, the transport yeah, was going to take. It sounded like it was going to be a period of years that he would be in the cell to uh, reconsider his, his uh, poisoning by that girl. <laughs> yeah. That does not sound like a good plan. Like, I don't know what she's trying to accomplish, but her plan is not good. <laughs> well, and I think the idea, though, is that she's just, she's, and we definitely see this with her uh, response to her husband, but she's a controlling person, you know, she she wants to be in control, she wants everything to go exactly the way she says it is, is, you know, uncompromising in any way, won't tell her husband that, uh, you know, if she does go and call for a, uh, a bounty, because he clearly didn't know about it, and right. then afterwards, when he decides to give in you know, and allow Monel to do his thing, she kills her husband. And yeah, it's she views kind of a, that as an act of betrayal of her. Um, yeah. Uh, not just them having different opinions about it. So, so th- that makes it even more remarkable, the change that we've seen in Monel, right? Like, this, yes. is a, this is a long way that he's come from being, you know, her son. I, I, I quite... I, I found it interesting watching Kevin Sorbo's performance in it, in that he, he, he basically doesn't seem to understand who he's married to. Uh, mm-hmm. and But there is this thing where they show that he there's this sort of growth and this understanding and there's sort of he can be reasonable and I I liked that. Um, I found Rhea's, uh, Carrie Hatchett's performance, just it her character just ends up being so intensely evil. Yeah. It, it's hard for me to sort of understand it. Like I'm, I'm sort of with Kevin Sorbo looking at his wife, going, "Really?" Um, so the king seems so much seems sort of rounder and more a believable character. Yeah, um, and I don't know how I don't know who the primary dynast is. Was you know was Mom Ill the queen <laughs> and and uh, Kevin Sorbo more of her consort, or was he the king and she just? went crazy on the power once she married him and became the queen. Uh, I don't know, but I do know know it's, it was much more interesting having that difference between them than if they had both been equally malevolent. Yeah. um, One of the things too, that is we have the, you know, going back from the first discussions between Monel and Kara when they first met is this sort of the way that Daxamites and Kryptonians look at each other. Uh, And you know, we're finding that basically none of the criticisms Kara has of Daxamites are wrong. It's just a matter of whether they apply to each individual or not. But they, there's a reason that she has those uh, those feelings towards them, and there's a reason Monel wants to get away. Uh, and and it seems like the Queen is basically like she is the embodiment of those worst elements. Whereas Kara has had the humility to admit some of the faults of Krypton. You know, right. Sure. I mean, Mamel is not interested in self-assessment. <laughs> um, uh, where whereas Monel, you know, he he was in more of a place to start assessing himself, but I also feel that it's in more of his nature, perhaps inherited or taught by his dad to be a little more thoughtful about things. Yeah, definitely. And I just felt really bad to watch Kevin Sorbo uh die. I just it was sad. Poor Hercules. <laughs> it was, but narratively, I kind of felt like it had to happen. It, it, oh, you for know, sure. I thought I was thinking, you know, with the speech at the end uh, by Mamel that um, it's, is she going to kill him? And then, yes, she did. And I would have felt very dissatisfied if she had just given him cold looks or something. <laughs> yeah, that, that entire scene was just waiting for the shoe to drop. 
Right. Right. I mean, you're taking the potential redemptive bad guy out of the picture and just cementing her as the big bad for the season, you know, more so. And it, it's it was really well done, I think. Uh, do we have anything else to say about Distant Sun? Or do we want to move on to the third and most recent episode? Well, there's a very important line that I feel I have to repeat. When uh, they came to rescue uh, Monel from the cell, Wynne said, I'm here to rescue you. And Monel said, Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? <laughs> and when is you watched it finally? <laughs> this is really funny. Um, I uh, I was in Disney World this past weekend, uh, and they had a Star Wars weekend, like Star Wars races, so a 10k and a half marathon. And I dressed as a stormtrooper for the 10k, and I am very short, so I definitely got that comment <laughs> a few times. Uh, and so I laughed a lot during the rewatch here. <laughs> the only other thing I noticed was on the second showing when one of the uh, Dax Might Guards got pushed out the window. I believe for some reason the animators even felt it necessary for one of the uh, crypt- kryptonite size to skewer them while they were being pushed out the window. It seemed very unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, especially since, you know, it's not like, I mean, I guess it's just a normal scythe to to him, right? Because he's not Kryptonian, but I thought that was funny too. I noticed that. I didn't notice that the first time, but I definitely noticed it this time. As, definitely. As a nice little embellishment. I, I bet whoever did that just had fun with it. I I am sure someone was very happy about doing that. (laughs) Also, we kind of skipped over it, but I do want to point out that uh, Manel, even when he, you know, made the noble sacrifice and was going to go back and help rebuild Daxum, he was determined that it wouldn't be like before and he was going to, you know, try to give power to the people and, you know, be a good ruler, not just a ruler. And so that was what I was talking about a little before, about how he has genuinely changed. Even yeah. even without Kara at his side, he was going to try to be good. Yep, absolutely. And one other slight thing about the, 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 the climax of the rescue is he didn't ask for it. Like, there is an aspect here where... The DEO people, it 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 wasn't. Qu- he was taken to some degree beyond his wishes because he didn't feel he had a choice. But it was his choice. He then went to did this, and they then went and rescued him. Anyway, well, it was his choice under duress. He, he under duress. He, it's true. You know, uh, Mamel was going to kill Supergirl with the kryptonite trident um and that's that's basically why he had agreed to go back with them and nobody promised that you know he promised that he would not resist or try to escape but nobody made any promises about rescue attempts i do have a quick question though how Mm -hmm. do they have so much kryptonite and why i mean as far as i know kryptonians themselves don't even know about the kryptonian weakness until they have their powers like around the yellow sun right so so it was just weird to me that they had, I mean, I'm, supposedly, I'm sure they could have just done research and acquired a bunch, but it's really nice looking stuff. No, they, they basically stated in the episode, and there's, some, there's something about Superman lore I don't quite have enough background for to understand, but basically kryptonite, the Krypton blew up. Kryptonite was in Krypton, and it just rained down from the skies. So the impression is that Daxum is covered in Kryptonite. Right, but I now, mean... They- I, don't, I don't understand why the Kryptonite takes away their power or is lethal to them, but then how do they survive their own planet? It's just uh, so there's, there's- <laughs> I, We can get into it, but nah, let's not worry about it. I don't, think it's, <laughs> I, I don't think it's one of the strongest points of the show. Not that it's really one of the strongest points of any superhero Superman story, but... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well... I think that's probably everything we've got on this episode, so we can spend uh, a good chunk more time on the most recent episode, uh, Ace Reporter. Um, Sounds good. Does anybody want to tell us like what the kind of A and B plots were for this one? I can I can give a, a quick shot of that. Cool. Okay. Um, so for 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 this episode, I I don't even know if I'd quite separate them into an A and B plot. Um, the this feels a little more like going back to earlier in the season. It's more of a, a villain of the week type episode, I would say, um, where where the A plot um, is predominantly driven by <clears throat> medical startup having this com- coming into play with this great new uh, nanotech healing device. Um, we learn about it because because uh, Kara goes there as a friend for uh, 
Lena, who who gets invited to this uh, press conference from presumably an old boyfriend. They go to this. We get we we start to have see Snapper again, and uh, there's some communication between Snapper and Kara. Um, we see this great new technology, and then the, everything gets very dark. And <laughs> I th- suppose it's supposed to be the story about uh, uh, corporate leakers and es- and espionage and finding out. However, every any time anyone tries to tell anyone about what's actually going on with the this medical startup, they get killed. Um, so we see uh, Kara talking to some person and then them getting killed. This rather horrifying scene of Kara being blown up in a car while she's in it. Snapper gets to have a meeting with someone and again, they're, they're attacked. Uh, and, and that plot basically moves forward until they come to the clear discovery that the uh, medical startup is, of course, actually evil, and uh, the nanotechs can not, not just be used to heal people, but be used to take people out. And that then goes back and forth, is trying to understand what's going on with that. Uh, Lena and Kara have lots of conversations. Lena's having all of this difficulty with uh, her feelings toward uh, Jack, who's the, the CEO of the medical te- technology company. And then we eventually end up with the end where Jack is uh, shown to be actually made out of the nanotechnology, but not actually in control, because apparently the technology also makes you into uh, an easily controllable zombie. Uh, And it turned out to be someone else in the company that uh, was actually pulling the strings. Uh, They then rescue that, uh, and Lena has to basically decide to kill off her old boy, her boyfriend, old boyfriend, to uh, save Kara and stop it. I suppose it's a B plot where Kara is now talking to Snapper and trying to get her old job back, which she does (laughs) through means I don't understand. (laughs) So, Trish, I think you have opinions on the B plot. Yeah, let, 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 I'd lo- I'm really looking forward to hearing these opinions because um, I have mine. Well, since before we go away from the summary, there was also a C plot, I suppose, with uh, Lyra wanting to beat up criminals with. Oh, oh that one! I tried to ignore. <laughs> I that totally one. forgot about that. Yeah, it's pretty forgettable. <laughs> it seems like such a horrible thing to do to Lyra's character. She seems so mistreated. In that plot, yeah, I, I don't really feel like it's a good use of her. Um, we she probably would have been better served not being in the episode, but uh, yeah. I don't know that we have much else to say about that particular plot line. Nope, that's not what's important here. <laughs> <laughs> so what is important is uh, journalism. Ace reporter. Uh, oh my something. <laughs> that was the episode title, and um, they're trying to make us. They're trying really hard to make us think that she deserves her job back, but I still don't buy it. I was thrilled when uh, Snapper fired her, and the reason at the end that he hired her back was that he was so impressed that she kept going on the story, even though people were getting killed, and he thought this meant she really cared about the truth uh, after all. And, of course, he doesn't know that she doesn't really have to worry a whole lot about getting killed on a storyline. Um, so I think she kind of acknowledged that in her facial expression as she as he was telling her that. But, oh, well. There's even two scenes. Like, there's there's one scene where it sounds like she might be getting her job back. And then there's a later scene where she actually gets her job back. Mm-hmm. And, and and I didn't I, I didn't understand how they played. I, I think my biggest problem with the reporting aspect is there's all this discussion about how it's really important that they got had these interviews with people. And I don't quite understand how interviewing and the state of the health trials and whether the human trials were faked or not, whether any of that really matters when obviously this technology is being used as an assassination ad- device and it's constantly attacking them. Like, doesn't that blow away? Like, who cares about the trials? They're a... Uh, It's a machine that goes around flying around killing people. (laughs) Well, yes, that's bad, but the trials are also bad because, of course, if, if, you know, if this uh, technology became widespread, a lot more people would be affected and zombified um, or nanified or whatever you want to refer to it. But back to the reporting thread, um, (laughs) I was uncomfortable with Kara's blending of friendship and reportage when she, when she showed up at, at Lena's date and, um, uh, she seems 
and yes, as a reporter, when you're covering high-powered people, there can be uncomfortable decisions about lines to cross or not to cross. But um, given that Kara is and has stated wholeheartedly that she is Lena's friend and always will be, I was uncomfortable that, you know, she she was using Lena to find out about uh, Jeff, I think his name was. Yeah, I know for me, my read on that was more that it wasn't the reporting that she was more concerned with and more the fact that, hey, Lena's in trouble and this guy is bad news because he is, uh, you know, he's there's something going on where this was not legit and like something's real wrong. Now that said, I don't know at that point, I'm trying to think of like sequence of events. At that point, did she, was that after she had been attacked? Uh, or was that before she was attacked? I believe that was after she had been attacked for the first time. Yeah. So in, in that context, then it's like, a okay, this guy is killing people and I need to make sure I'm there to stop Lena from getting hurt. And while I'm here, because I'm suspicious of him and have no ability to be subtle, I'm going to just grill him for all I can. <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> it was so bad. I. I quite like the dinner, actually. I, I, I didn't mention it in the synopsis, but I really quite quite like the uh, the dinner where uh, Car and Manel try and sort of show up and uh, impose themselves. <laughs> and it seems very justifiable if that was after the attack. But but yeah, the the chain of events. It, I, I just didn't feel like the attacks had any weight. Had the right amount of weight for the rest of the plot. Well, if my point is that if Kara and Lena are friends, then. Kara as Supergirl, maybe, should have been able to talk to Lena and warn her even before the date, rather than, you know, I was talking with a whistleblower and he got killed, and that would have been a pretty convincing warning for Lena not to not to deal with Jeff. Uh, and she could have given that warning, but instead she chose to just show up at the dinner. So that I wasn't thrilled with that. Especially since Kara is so big on honesty. Uh, I'm, that does drive back. So I think uh, Katie McGrath has just been delightful as Lena. And I think oh, I love her. Yeah. I, I really liked getting to see her a, a lot in this episode. Uh, and I'm really, I'm still, I, I, they seem to be hedging their bets on the show. Mm -hmm. But it still very much seems like this lack of honesty about who she is, is it's being left open as an opportunity to be a major source of conflict between Lena and Kara. Because they keep introducing potential things for them to really be into conflict over, but then it's, you know, it's resolved pretty quickly, like in this episode. But at some point, it's not going to be, and maybe soon, and we'll get to that when we talk about the end of the episode. But uh, I'm nervous, because I really don't want to see her be a bad guy. Like, I just like her too much. Mm -hmm. I really like her as, as uh, an ambivalent character, but I did feel like it was a pretty ominous note when... Kara promised Lena that she would always be her friend. <laughs> yeah, the the vibe at the end of the episode was was not very uh, inspiring. That uh, Lena is going to stay entirely on the 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 Kara's side in that regard. It feels like they're they're definitely setting up some degree of conflict there, and especially with the reappearance. Um, yeah, of Rhea at the end. Yeah, and and that 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 kind of is unfortunate. There's also this thing where 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 Lena seems to be uh, more coming into her own as a Luther, and there, there seems to be making that point as well that uh, Lena is a Luther, and they're going to they're they're going to run with that, and it, it feels like they're going to run with it, and it's uh, probably not going to go all that well for that friendship, and it's unfortunate if that's the case. Yeah, right. uh, she herself even says it out loud. She says like, "Hey." I am feeling this. I might not come out of this. All right. Like, you know, we'll see when I get past this. Like, she's essentially not, it's not subtle. Like, she's basically telling the audience, I might become a bad guy after this, you know, more or less. Mm -hmm. Like, I might be damaged once I get over this kind of, this trauma. And, you know, Kara is setting herself up as the reason that she won't. Like, I will be here for you. But then if she finds out, so, you know, if, if Rhea comes out and, and tells her at the end, or tells her soon about Kara's secret, well, that could be seen as a betrayal. And at the right time, that could mean, you know, she goes off the deep end. And I'm very nervous about that, because uh, it feels very much like what they're doing. And it makes me uncomfortable, because it'd be nice to have just a solid platonic female friend for Kara. Right. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you don't think that's going to be allowed to continue? Yeah, maybe not. Um, 
Uh, or even, you know, I've, I've certainly seen chatter saying that uh, Lena would be a better love interest for Kara than Monel would. And, you know, I, I would have no problem <laughs> seeing that relationship either. But uh, it doesn't quite feel like that to me. It feels more, more like Lena has a sister she never knew she wanted or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the things that somebody might argue for them having Lena go the bad, like, down the wrong path would be to avoid it getting boring. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I feel like an alternate thing they could do to keep it interesting would be very much to call to attention the previous relationship that they've alluded to between Clark and Lex. And mm -hmm. maybe she gets advice from Lex or from Clark and just saying like, hey, I still would have done it the way I did before. And maybe she manages to succeed somewhere where he failed. You I know? would and love to see that. I would love that so much. That would be great. Uh, I don't think they're going to do it, but I feel like that's what I would like to see. And <laughs> um, and it would still be compelling. Let's see. Oh, just talking still a little about being a Luther. I did love the moment where... Uh, Beth, the evil CFO or whatever she was, said, did I mention I'm a black belt? And Lena said, did I mention I'm a Luther? <laughs> of Just course, slams she's, her. She's, she's had <laughs> private martial arts tutors, <laughs> I'm sure, since she was young. <laughs> I did enjoy that. Just the kind of like one hit and she's down mm -hmm. element of that. Uh, okay, back to Ace Reporter. <laughs> um, <sighs> okay, so I was not happy with how they brought Snapper back, basically sneering at millennials. Um, and, uh, clickbait, uh, young reporters. I know that Snapper has always been gruff and, uh, even seeming mean sometimes, but mostly that seemed to be directed toward pushing Kara to be a better reporter and, uh, not taking things for granted. And here, Snapper just really was grumpy old man who can't deal with young kids in their blogs and things. And I I really didn't love that. Was this the first time we saw Kara at Catco and dealing with the fact that Snapper is the is was her boss, but it's James who's running the company? Like is this the first conversation we've had with James regarding her being fired, or is that kind of ignored that I I, we certainly haven't seen an on-screen conversation with Kara about, oh, Snapper fired me. I, I don't think we saw that at all. I don't think they've really acknowledged it before before this. I, I don't think they had. I think that's okay, though, Like because uh, I can imagine them having really botched a scenario where she goes to James to complain about being fired or something, and that just feels like, well, no, it is Snapper's right to fire her. I mean, if... If yeah, she's working under him. So yeah, I, I'm glad that they hadn't had a uh, that they didn't try to have her try to get her job back from James. Um, oh, definitely, that would have been even worse. And I, I did think you know it was a good move for her to humble herself and ask for Catco's help in getting a FOIA because certainly uh, an an independent blogger would have a much tougher time <laughs> uh, getting a FOIA. Um, uh, sorry, freedom of, for our listeners, Freedom of Information Act request for information. I feel like that's also the first time where it feels like she even mentions anything that has to do with her knowing what she's doing as a reporter. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, not to be, I mean, I love her a lot, but not as a reporter, as we've, as we've covered. And uh, that was just one of those things where it's like, oh, she's talking like a person who knows what she's doing. That's the first time I've seen that from her as a reporter. Uh so that was interesting. Right. It made me feel a little better about, you know, maybe she's been doing a lot of background research about what a reporter should do, even even if I was never really convinced by her burning desire to become a reporter after she spent time with Clark. Um, but anyway, you know, that that this moment, you know, of her doing of, of her asking for the FOIA that uh, seemed like a good moment to me. But I'm still unhappy about how they treated Snapper. Or, you know, how they made Snapper just a grumpy old man in the beginning. One thing I do really appreciate about Snapper is his love for Danishes, because I love Danishes, <laughs> and anyone who loves Danishes can't be all bad. So, uh, yes, pr I am in the pro-Danish lobby. Uh, I also really appreciated his reaction to Kara's Danish. Like, he clearly appreciated that she did it, but then, you know, told her, what was the line? Uh, Please don't start don't a food truck a chef or right don't start up a food truck or whatever it was 
Oh, I was also upset at the beginning where uh, it looked like she she got frustrated with her cooking and just threw away a steak. And if that was what it was, bad. <laughs> I'm I'm okay with Monel being the better cook. Yes, definitely. <laughs> For some reason, I buy that. I really easily, I buy that. I do as well. I I kind of like Snapper, but I really had kind of hoped they were just going to write Catco out. Mm-hmm. Without without Cat Grant, I I miss Cat Grant so much, and and. With a with the the current state of Catco and James and and how Carr behaves in it, it just none of it felt very good, and I I, I had almost hoped they were going to write it out. So, but but maybe with the second go at it, they will uh, they will do a better job. Uh, maybe they don't want to waste the set. Okay, yes, I I'm I also am not thrilled with the return to Catco. Uh, I I. I don't think that she has done enough to earn back uh, Snapper's trust, especially since we know she wasn't really putting her life at all that much risk. But uh, it is what it is, and I guess we'll see more reportering <laughs> from yeah. Kara in the future. It is tangentially related to another element, which is, you know, James still doesn't have anything compelling to do there, or at least he's not doing anything compelling there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure there is plenty that they could do with him there. But uh, but that does bring us back to that C-plot that we mentioned with uh, with Lyra, which I don't think was important, but I do kind of like the, uh, the close relationship between James and Wynne. Um, I'm growing to appreciate that more and more. Uh, I, I mean, he even calls out, he's like, hey, like, you're my brother, and I haven't felt that with anybody since Clark. So uh, I, I'm just saying, like, if I were some guy, even if I had, you know, magical hacking powers like Wynn does, I would still be very, I would take a very positive any comparison to Superman. So that was a quality compliment by James. But uh, yeah, there's not much else going on there. I, I wish they would use James in a more compelling way other than just like, okay, well, yeah, we have a good friendship between two guys now. Uh, but I, I'm still, I don't think I'm ever going to buy him as Guardian. So just kind of waiting for them to do something with that. Why doesn't Wynn build a Guardian suit for all the DEO agents? <laughs> <laughs> it could just be the good DEO point. uniform. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great point. I don't know why I haven't thought of that. That's a that's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, why not equip all of your DEO agents with things that enable them to fight aliens? Indeed. Because superhero show. <laughs> yeah. I guess the, so the end point then is, I, I guess we can really, since this is our catch up, where do we think things are going from here, or where do we want things to go from here? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we saw at the very end that Mom L is uh, going to try and develop some kind of um, deal with Lena. So obviously, that's going to be a big thing for probably more than one episode. And oh, also, we saw that the president it was is a dominator. The kind of alien she is. Um, she certainly, what she was doing about telling the DEO not to do anything, that kind of could have helped out the bounty hunters. You know, don't provoke the Daxamite spaceship or anything. So I'm wondering, we had known for a while that the president was an alien, but I'm not sure if we knew before. I think a dominator, which are kind of in the uh, either allies or employees of the Daxamites. I think that was the kind of alien that she was revealed to be at the end. There was a reveal on Twitter that um, the actress herself said she was a Durlin, but I don't know if that's the same thing. Hmm. So I, I guess, yeah, yeah. W the Wikipedia says that they are the same. They're the same ones that were in the Invasion miniseries taking part of the Invasion of Earth. So, okay. um, so yeah, could be the same thing. But um, yeah, it, it's unclear. I, yeah, I, I really want to know what she's up to. Because it just doesn't feel like she's a benign, yeah, I'm just the president who happens to be an alien, but there's nothing going on there. No, there must be some kind of end game. I thought, you know, I thought I had thought for a while that the end game was just to, you know, have an alien in the White House so that things would be easier on the ETs. But no, there's, there's some other kind of uh, long game going, I believe. Well, it, it feels like this episode really closed off a couple chapters of, of, of the storyline. Like, we we finished mm -hmm. off the unemployment section. We finished off having Monel dealing with his parents as parents. And and now we're really going to be uh, dealing with probably a, a slightly different arc going forward with this whole question with Lena and the question with the president and uh, how that's going to go. And I expect we're going to see a lot of uh, that relationship with Lena and how it's going to potentially get twisted um, by Rhea. Uh, and that really is what we're going to see. And I just hope they do a good job and I hope uh, Catco makes any sense. Yep. yep. 
I loved that uh, Jeff was Ravi from iZombie. I love him. I love the actor in that show. Uh, and so it was fun to see him being a uh, startup superstar in, in this show. And also his uh, CFO, I thought that was a person that I was looking at. I know her. Where do I know her from? And it turns out that she was uh, one of the people on the Timeless TV show uh, that was on this year. Was it Jeff or Jack? Jack. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Names I'm not so good with. <laughs> for her for her being the, the actual bad guy pulling the string, it, it felt that it felt unfortunate that we got so little of her though. Yeah. Um there there are people we don't know much about, you know. I, I'd love to know more about the story of the president, and I don't know if we'll ever get, you know, actually a story with her who she is why she's doing this or if if it's just uh going to be she will be a lever that Mamel will pull at some point <laughs> but i do like that this show has gotten it seems to me has gotten a little better at showing that people have lives outside the show they've had references to ongoing things that we haven't seen on screen uh like kombucha dates and things like that um, <laughs> and uh it, it all makes the world a little more rich when you know that there have been conversations that have happened that you haven't seen that you know that things are continuing off screen and we're we're getting kind of the high points but it all makes it a little more immersive of an experience to watch the show yeah, I, uh, I in general, I've enjoyed that. I enjoy that the characters themselves feel, as we alluded to earlier, um, they feel more consistent. Um, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed that. I like that there is a, a long running story arc that seems to be slowly uh, fleshing out and that will kind of settle down towards the end of the season. Like, I want to see how things turn out with Mamel and uh, and the Daxamites. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty content kind of where with where these three episodes in totality left us, even if Kara shouldn't have her job back. Yes. Yes, I complain about plot points, but overall I'm still enjoy definitely really enjoying watching the show. Yeah, the the the, the show is enjoyable, the characters are enjoyable, their interactions are enjoyable. Um we'll 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 have to see how it how how it all pans out and how it all holds together for the main plot, but I don't think the whole arc and the the big seasonal plot really is the the reason I'm watching them. The show. I think it is more just for the uh, the, the characters and the interactions. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, uh, I guess on that note, do we want to wrap up? I think so. I think I've said pretty much what I wanted to say about these episodes, and uh, it's been a fun discussion. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I guess that's it. Thank you to the listeners. Um, thank you to Michael and David. Thank you to our wonderful sound engineer Seth Heasley, and. This supercast will be back sometime with more episodes. <laughs> um, sorry about the long hiatus, but uh, we'll keep on track a little more, hopefully, from now on. Okay, yes. thanks, everybody. All right, bye. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. <laughs>